0: folks welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu security podcast I'm Alex Murray apologies that we were missing in action last week but we're back on deck this week I've got a bunch of usual updates to look at but I also wanted to take a look at a cool write-up about uh, some malware that is using eBPF that was done by uh, the Aquasec team so we will get to that in a bit but uh, first let's do the usual roundup of security updates that have gone into Ubuntu over the past week So the team addressed 80 unique CVEs this week, and up first was a bunch of updates for the kernel package. As always, I need to uh, say thank you very much to our kernel team for doing all the heavy lifting on these. We had an update for the 6.2 uh, base kernel for uh, 2304, the Lunar Lobster, the current uh, interim release. And uh, that was fixing uh, a couple of vulnerabilities that I've talked about before. If you wanna know more about that, uh, go check out episode 202. But in that case, it was an off by one in the flower network traffic classifier and uh, an info leak via stale page table entries. Uh, that was the involved LPG, uh, I don't know how to say that better, but anyway, uh, <laughs> vulnerability in uh, yeah Intel platforms that was fixed as well. Then we had an update for the Xilinx Zinc MQ platforms kernel. Uh, That is a 5.4 based kernel for the 2004 release. And that fixed the uh, off by one in the Flower Network Traffic Classifier issue as well. Uh, we had an update for the 4.4 based kernel that is used in uh, 1604, so that is still uh, supported via extended security maintenance or via Ubuntu Pro, and that kernel is also backported for 1404. So if you're still running 1404, uh, what nearly you know nine years later now, uh, you know that is still being supported uh, and you get your yeah, kernel updates. So yeah, if you're not, uh, make sure you have enrolled in Ubuntu Pro because if you're still running 1404 and you're not, then yeah, you're uh, you you know you're missing a lot of uh, good security updates um yeah so that is uh, an update for that 4.4 base kernel for a heap of vulnerabilities that i actually have talked about in previous episodes but that is for uh, aws kvm the generic kernel and the low latency flavors as well speaking of the xilinx and zinc mq uh, there was an update as well uh, actually later in the week that fixed uh, a heap more vulnerabilities that uh, rolled in 31 different CVEs here as well. Uh, Similarly, an update for the Azure based Confidential Virtual Machines uh, kernel as well, that is for 2004 LTS. Again, rolling in a heap of the same updates. We also had an update for the 6.2 base kernel for uh, 2304 again, so yeah we have these a few times a week lately uh, when we do emergency respins again thanks to the kernel team. Uh, so this is applicable to Azure, GCP, IBM, uh, Raspberry Pi, AWS, KVM and low latency as well. Uh, plus we then we had a few of our OEM kernels updated as well so Ubuntu does uh, specific kernels for particular hardware flavors that Ubuntu comes pre-installed on so the 6.1 based kernel that is for 2004 LTS had uh, five different CVs rolled into there Uh, in particular uh, the most interesting vulnerability there was an out-of-bounds write due to analyzed memory in the control buffer for the IPvLAN network driver as well as the 6.0-based OEM kernels, so that's for some other platforms, and that has the flower network traffic classifier vulnerability I talked about previously, plus uh, a missing lock in io ring subsystem that could also be triggered to uh, get privilege escalation as well. All right, so moving on from kernel updates, we also had an update for Ruby and this goes all the way back to uh, 16.04. Uh, so that's now in ESM, so you get both 16.04 and 18.04 which are now in ESM or available under Ubuntu Pro plus uh, 20.04, 22.04, uh, LTS and 22.10 and 23.04. They're all you know, in the standard distro. So this was a regular expression denial of service vulnerability that affected the URI parser. It uh, was really only one issue but the first fix for it was incomplete. So they then had to issue a second CDE to account for that uh, I guess the first fix being incomplete a few months ago so both of those have been fixed. Lib3MF was updated for 2004 LTS for use after free what else we had not resolver updated all the way back to 16.04 ESM plus all the releases since in this case it was a CPU based denial of service due to uh, high algorithmic comp- complexity uh, algorithm that could be triggered. Basically uh, requires an authoritative server to return a large address set though to be able to trigger that. So not the kind of thing that usually would affect most people in practice or you need to be obviously a very privileged attacker to be able to mount this kind of attack. Uh, But it was fixed by adding uh, various limits to the different lookups and things that it would do. So it would bail out early. Uh, SciPy was updated, uh, that's for 2004, 22.04, LTS and 22.10. Uh, a couple of vulnerabilities here, both of them were reference count handling issues and actually it looks like up, both of them have been disputed by Upstream. One of them is actually certainly marked as disputed by uh, the CVE uh, database, but the other one was more a comment in their bug tracker. Uh, in the first of these, uh, as it was only able to be triggered by first having to deterministically exhaust basically all available memory, which isn't very easy to do, obviously, as a you know, Python application or as a, an attacker for a Python application, uh, it'd be very hard to trigger that, so not really a real vulnerability. Plus, the second one was the only way to trigger it would be able to first execute arbitrary Python code anyway, so if you've already got that, then you know this vulnerability is really moot. So as I say, both of them were reported by the same user who appeared to be doing some kind of uh, potentially automated static analysis. Which is cool though, Uh, even though both of these turned out to be kind of said, look, they're not really vulnerabilities. They were both treated as bugs and they were both fixed by upstream and we've gone and fixed them as well. But it is cool to see people doing, uh, I guess, more different analysis against different code bases. We had uh, SpiderMonkey or the Moz.js JavaScript engine updated for a few vulnerabilities. That's for 2204 LTS, 2210 and 2304. Uh, Basically, memory mishandling within the JavaScript engine there was fixed. Uh, Libtiff was updated for four CVEs and this is for uh, just Arable 2 Pro customers because uh, the releases here which is 1404, 1604 and 1804, are now all in their uh, expanded security maintenance phase. They've all gone out of their LTS period. Uh, so four vulnerabilities here as I said, uh, two of them were heap buffer overflows, uh, there was one out-of-bounds read and one 0.3 reference uh, so they've all been fixed for Libtiff. Uh, speaking of our uh, Ubuntu Pro customers, uh, Postgres is updated for 16.04. Uh, I talked about that uh, vulnerability back in episode 197. If you want to know more about that, Similarly, CUPS was updated for both 16.04 and 1804. both of those also now in ESM. Uh, I talked about that in episode 201. Uh, what else? LibWebP was updated for 16.04 uh, and BIND was updated as well for 14.04, 16.04 and 1804. all of those again in ESM. For a couple of vulnerabilities, go check out episode 201 if you want to know more about that one. Uh, Yajl or yet another JSON library was updated. Uh, this is uh, yeah, a small JSON library written in C, uh, used for obviously parsing JSON. Uh, it's used by things like the i3 window manager, uh, MPD, uh, MicroWSGI, ModSecurity, Libvirt, and a bunch of others. So kind of a you know one of these small libraries that's then used by a lot of other things, and potentially could present you know, a bit of attack surface for a lot of stuff. Uh, of these vulnerabilities I guess the most interesting one was a buffer overflow on Unicode parsing plus uh, there was an integer overflow that could lead to a heat buffer overflow when handling inputs larger than 2 gigs so you're unlikely to really be affected by that one but you know that one's been fixed as well Conman the uh, I guess network connection manager has been updated for 9 different CVEs and this is for 16.04, 18.04 ESM respectively 20.04, 22.04 LTS and 23.04 the interim release So a bunch of these issues were in its internal uh, GDHCP client as it's called One of them was a stack buffer overflow the other one was an out of bounds read that could lead to an info leak Uh, in both those cases though as a DHCP client would really require a malicious DHCP server to be able to trigger those but you know that's not the kind of thing that's too unlikely really because obviously lots of people go and you know use their uh, laptops in uh, cafes and the things so you're connecting to some untrusted wireless network that's handing you out a DHCP lease so yeah uh, you know something to think about there what else, There's a use after free in their whisper HTTP handling that could be triggered by a machine in the middle. Uh, heat buffer overflow uh, in their G web component that could lead to uh, remote code execution. Uh, two different out-of-bounds reads in their DNS proxy, those could lead to a crash or info leak. And finally, there's an infinite loop in the DNS proxy as well. So if you have chosen to use conman on Ubuntu over something like network manager, uh, I guess you're a bit safer now, but I would say, hey, stick with the defaults. They're there for a reason. What else, Uh, Curl has been updated for three different CVEs so uh, that is for Ubuntu releases, 2004, 2204, uh, 2210 and 2304. Uh, in this case, it uh, improperly matched wildcard patterns when doing certificate validation. In particular, this affects things like uh, internationalized domains. So they get encoded uh, down to ASCII via this thing called PuniCode and they always start with XN dash dash. And so if you had uh, a wildcard that said X star that matches anything starting with X, that would then go and match all of these PuniCode uh, domains, even though uh, they, or all these internationalized domains, even though none of them actually probably even have the character X in them at all necessarily and so yeah that was fixed that obviously could lead then to you know to different uh, i guess potentially allowing things that shouldn't have been allowed in terms of certificate policy and the like There was also a logic error where it would potentially use the read callback to ask a remote client uh, for more data to send uh, if the same handle had been previously used for a put request. Now, that led to some unexpected behavior because uh, it could then potentially end up sending the wrong data. So an info leak or potentially that data had already been freed, so use after free, so that was fixed and there was a race condition uh, when it would go and try to save cookies to files, uh, the code there would first go and try to check you know, does the file exist and is it a sim link and therefore or, or should I say does the file exist and is it a real file and if it is uh, it would go ahead and write it into there uh, there was obviously a small time window there between looking up uh, does the, is the file a sim link and then actually opening it where an attacker could potentially replace that with an actual sim link and therefore redirect those cookies to be saved off to some other location that they control, uh, that was fixed by just opening the file and then checking the mode of it afterwards which is a much smarter way to do things and uh, that is it for the week in security updates. All right so the other thing that I wanted to have a talk about this week was a cool write-up that I saw from the Aquasec team and they talked about uh, detecting eBPF malware with their application called Tracy but what I really thought interesting about this is they talk about uh, the malware itself, which is uh, using eBPF itself to go and steal credentials. And I thought that's really cool. You know, Normally we see these things happen via things like LD preload and the like. Um, and so how is this happening? So uh, you can actually go and see the code for this malware. It's called PamSpy. it's actually on GitHub. I've got a link to it in the show notes if you wanna go and look. But the lowdown is really that it uses eBPF probes, So that is a way of using eBPF in the kernel to essentially hook into user space functionality and to be able to trace that. Uh, it's the kind of thing that's used during uh, development or uh, kind of you know, maybe you're trying to trace down some performance issue and you're looking at like uh, code hot paths and that kind of thing uh, what's getting run the most or, that, uh, or what else uh, but obviously if you can go and hook into any function in user space then you can potentially do things like as uh, pam spy dusk by the name it hooks into lib pam and then for any time anyone goes and uses pam to authenticate it goes and kind of hooks into that so it can steal both the username and the password and it can go and save those off somewhere that it likes so uh, the way that these uh, user space uh, probes or uret probes work is uh, you first have to be root to be able to create one because there's a uh, file, syskernel, debug, tracing, uprobe events that you go and write to to be able to create it. And essentially, you specify uh, the library and what uh, address within that you want to have be triggered. So normally, you would go and say, look up uh, the location of the whatever function that it is that you want uh, within that. Uh, so that you get the address of that within the library. You then create your URET probe and you load a BPF program that can then be triggered uh, when that is hit the kernel then calls out uh, to your little user space helper as well and that means then you can do whatever you want as a result so in this case as i say it's hooking into libpam and it's low uh, it is logging the credentials that are then used uh, anytime you go and log in or maybe you authenticate to sudo or uh, something else so yeah a cool little piece of malware and like i said at the start normally you would do this um through something like ld preload so that anything that loaded libpam it would then go and load your other uh library as well and then you can kind of swap out the normal libpam functions with your own but that means then you need to be able to set ld preload you know within the environment of wherever anything is executing and for all the various applications or login things or sudo or whatever it is which can be quite tricky so by using these EBPFU probes you go and do that in the kernel you you know everything runs through the kernel uh, there's no way to escape that really uh, and so you then get to hook into everything but, you know, saying that, UREP probes do have their own problems as a, uh, the implementation is actually then based on inserting breakpoints into the library or whatever code it is that you're tracing in user space. And so that can be detected actually by the program itself. You know, you can literally like uh, scan your own uh, text section and uh, look for, say, the breakpoint opcode, which is uh, OXCC. Obviously, you may get false positives there. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can actually look for a uh, special um, memory mapping called Uprobes within uh, Proxelf Maps as well. Uh, I've got a actually to a really cool breakdown about how uh you can do that uh basically they go into various techniques that a uh, an application itself can use to try to then detect when it is being uh traced via uh, uprobes and potentially defeat them or even do things like uh, provide false data in that so that's really cool the other way obviously you can do this at a system level is you can just go and inspect the syskernel debug tracing uprobe events file that will list all the different uprobes that have been loaded Uh, so yeah i'm wouldn't be surprised if we see various uh, different malware detection uh, toolkits like Rootkit Hunter and others are looking for that as I guess a signal that something is potentially uh, going and uh, using this functionality. And I guess the other thing I find really interesting about this is that uh, it's just another case, I guess, of where some piece of technology ends up being dual use. In this case, uh, uiterate probes obviously developed as a really good debugging technique, a way of being able to debug a piece of functionality across every single application in your system and be able to trace that. But then clearly, if you can trace anything as an attacker, that's exactly what we're going to do when you're stealing credentials and the like. It's also interesting though, actually, when uh, we look back at that original uh, Aquasec blog post to see how they then talk about using uh, BPF for system monitoring and instrumentation to then detect malware. So uh, in this case, we've got a piece of functionality that is being used by the malware, that's BPF to do whatever it's doing in this case, tracing. Uh, But you can actually use that yourself to go and try to detect uh, malware. You can detect the use of, uh, or say the improper use of uh, eBPF by other applications. Now you know that's kind of like it's interesting if you're a security company and you want to sell an agent that runs on every machine and detect all of this stuff. But uh, I always think that uh, you know prevention is better than cure, and uh, defense in depth is the way to go. So uh, you can uh, disable the use of ebpf by unprivileged or untrusted users. You can do things like uh, use set comp or similar, and you can do that through uh, nowadays just through a simple filter within uh, systemd. So you can specify that in the systemd unit to say not allow the ebpf uh, system calls. Uh, through uh, that for your different demons that are running and that means then you know even if they do get compromised they can't go and uh, say load bpf policy which is really cool so really then just looking at the usual approaches of defense in depth pre- principle of least privilege and the like that we do um, it is a shame i suppose that a lot of things that are security sensitive don't necessarily come hardened or come defensive like that out of the box but there are things that you can do yourself uh, to protect yourself against that uh, so yeah as i say by putting that stuff in place the only way then really for malware to be able to compromise uh, you via bpf is then to be able to compromise an application that was legitimately given access to it and hopefully that's only a very small number of things on your system if any uh, that means that of always you're reducing your attack surface and doing all the other things that you do to protect yourself so yeah a really cool blog post there go and check that out plus check out the one on the quarks lab uh, about defeating ebpf uh, u-probe monitoring which i found really instructive and actually talks through all the low-level details of how the u probes themselves work okay so that is it for uh, this week's episode as usual if you want to get in contact with the team you can always email us security@ubuntu.com, or you can come and chat to us in the ubuntu security channel on Chat, or we are on mastodon at ubuntu security at Thanks again for listening, everyone, for another week. I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.